Welcome back to the Big Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Avis, and sitting with me on the couch to my left is my co-host, Nick Wright. Today is part two of our tribute to Tradesformers. Okay, so uh, here we are back again. We uh, we left off uh, at Armada, which, as Nick had pointed out in last week's episode, um, was kind of a turning point. He remembers it being kind of a successful, um, you know, he remembers it being successful for the the Transformers series in general. And uh, also, I I forgot to mention that uh, with us again, we also have Mark Wright. Howdy. And he is joining us once again live via Skype. Let me tell you what, it was it was really great having you uh, on the episode last week. I had a feeling that having you on the show was just really going to enhance and enrich the show mm-hmm. once you brought your knowledge to the uh, to the table, and it did not disappoint at all. So I would uh, like to thank you for uh, hanging in there with us for uh, part two of this uh, part two of the uh, podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Where we left off last week with the Armada series. Well, Nick already said this was the renaissance of Transformers after Hasbro had taken a bit of a breather with Robots in Disguise. Uh, they just spent that couple of years just reissuing old molds so they could spend some time developing the big, next big thing. Oh, yeah. Is that when they started doing the reissues around that time? No, well, Hasbro didn't do any reissues yet. Takara did start doing the first of their reissues of classic Transformers, but for Hasbro, this was limited to In Robots in Disguise. They reissued the Combaticon molds as different characters. They weren't even called Combaticons, but you had those molds as new characters. And that was all in Robots cartoon. Yeah, Ruination was... uh the name of the Gestalt for the Compaticons. Yeah, Armada was, um, and I have this down as part of the Unicon trilogy. Exactly right. Yeah, and uh, Armada itself was from 2002 to 2004. It's like a return to vehicular forms more so uh, than what we had seen with Beast Wars and, and those runs. It ran for four seasons and 52 episodes, and uh, you, it was actually set on Cybertron. Is that correct? Sorry, which show are we talking about? Um, Armada. Not set on Cybertron. Oh, no. not I mean, set on Cybertron. It's on Cybertron, but it's mostly set on Earth. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm not really super familiar with it, but I didn't think it was. Really, the only thing I even remember about Armada is Hotspot. The big thing that made Armada unique was the introduction of a third faction of oh. Transformers. Neither Autobot nor Decepticon. Oh, the Minicons. aligned with either called the Minicon, exactly. Yeah, I mean, at first I was thinking, a third? What? How do I not know this? But then I thought, oh, yeah, okay. They were fighting over the Minicons. Everybody Minicons wanted the Minicons. Essentially Micromasters, but unlike Micromasters, you could actually plug them onto various ports on the larger robots, and they would unlock special features. Oh, I do kind of remember that now. That you shot, which you mentioned, you plug the Minicon in, and it opens up little jaws in front of the vehicle that could grab things. For Megatron, you could make some missiles fire, or you could stick it into his arm, and his fist would have a little shiv that would stick up out of it. He could stab somebody. 
uh, Megatron had all sorts of features. Uh, but the idea was that by attaching a Minicon to a larger robot, you make the larger robot more powerful. Come to me, Swindle. Let's combine! This makes the Minicons in high demand, but it also makes the Minicons essentially slaves. So there is a lot of back and forth about, do we use these for ourselves, and even if we have good purposes, or is that still slavery? So there's some actual philosophy that goes into the episode. A little bit of a subtext there you wouldn't expect to find in a Transformers cartoon. (laughs) I do remember seeing the toys in stores. Uh, and I, I was aware at the time that I was seeing, like, you know, an in-earnest second attempt, to, to or third attempt, whatever you would say, to bring Transformers back into the limelight. Uh, and, and it feels like they were being successful, at least, to me. We've already called it the first part of what we're going to call the Unicron Trilogy. The reason it's called that is Unicron, first introduced in Transformers the movie, is essentially brought back. Now, we can get into issues about whether or not it's the same Unicron. There's the whole issue of different continuities that I've brought up, and what we're going to start eventually getting into something called a multiverse, where some characters can travel from one universe to another. But in the context of Armada, Unicron is still a giant planet that turns into an evil robot, but it turns out that Unicron actually created the Minicons. And that's part of the secret behind why they unlock great powers. So they have to fight Unicron at the end of the Armada cartoon. They eventually defeat him. And that segues into the next Transformers cartoon, which is Transformers Energon. The cartoon is supposed to take place ten years later. Unicron is still out there, because Unicron can't ever truly be destroyed. But the focus now is not on the Minicons, although they still exist, but rather on different forms of combination. So the gimmick for Energon is that essentially all of the Autobots that are what is now called deluxe size, this is essentially the $10 price point, can combine with any other Autobot, of that same size, and one is the top half, one is the bottom half, and you've got a new robot. (laughs) Other Transformers of different sizes may have other ways to combine, not necessarily with other robots, but with, like, battle armor or adding on Energon weapons. And all of the toys will come with clear Energon, quote-unquote, parts, uh, that can be used as weapons or you know, a little chip that'll go on a spot on the shoulder that represents a power-up, things like that. Now, when I was looking into the uh, Energon, Armada, those toy lines, I, I read something that referred to the toys as kits. Is that is that what you're referring to? Uh, toys as kits? Kits, yeah. Kind of sounds like maybe what you're talking about. Um. It might be, it's not the way I'm thinking about it, but so let's say, for example, the what's called the Scout class 
instead of minicons, they're now called omnicons, most of them. And they're supposed to have a special ability to harvest energon and fashion weapons out of them. So an omnicon will come with a whole series of transparent parts that are supposed to represent being made out of pure energon, but you can combine them into, say, one of them comes with a staff, a pike, that you can use as a weapon. They'll also come with little stars that you can fit onto the larger transformers and, again, represents a power-up. So there are ways that you can take things apart and reassemble them in different ways, which may be what you're getting at with the kit. I think cons. so, yeah. But, again, it's just not the word I was using. Uh, but the idea is that by recombining things in different ways, you're supposed to have a play pattern that uh, is limited only by your imagination. It kind of sort of reminds me of that He-Man action figure. Was it Modrock? <laughs> Where he was... Mi What's that? Modulock had the limbs that would pull off and you could put it in different ways. Oh, That's know. him, yeah. And, and then the idea, of course, was that you had many different toys, not just one toy, that you could kind of re, you know, make them however you want. <laughs> There's Ninja Turtle toys that do that, too. Like, mutations or something. I forget what they call them, but yeah. it looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought he was kind of cool. And, and in actual practice, there weren't quite that many different ways to combine these Not things. really. <laughs> but, you, but you did have some variation. Wasn't there, good. like, a, a jet fire that combined with Prime or something? Uh, let me think. Which toy line was that? That I think that was Energon. Uh, I I have the uh, version of that mold that was used for the Astro Train Club exclusive, but I don't have any version of that Prime mold. And they they kind of used that in the movie, like what was it, the second movie, where he's like, "Lend me your parts." You know? No. No, those are Armada molds. I, 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 I'm jumping ahead. Those were those were both that was an Armada Jetfire and Armada Prime mold. So we've already passed those by Energon. So, uh, so that I guess that would from Energon you go to Cybertron, which was from 2005 to 2006. The idea in this one is, and, and it's the le least connected to the other two in terms of what we call the Unicron trilogy. The idea is at the end of Energon. Unicron is supposedly annihilated. Now, I said he can't really ever be completely destroyed, but in defeating Unicron at the end of Energon, a black hole are, uh, is created. But apparently this isn't just a regular black hole, but it's threatening to destroy Cybertron and the rest of the universe as we know it or some such. So the plot line in that is save the planet, so to speak. You know, plug up this black hole, don't let everything be destroyed. Uh, the gimmick in Cybertron is less connected to, again, the others, but it in Cybertron, they discover that there are several other planets that have Transformers on them. So we have what is called Velocitron, which is the speed planet. Everybody on Velocitron is like a race car or otherwise likes driving really fast. There is another planet that is the jungle planet, which gives you a chance to do a few more mechanical beast modes. And each one of the larger robots in Cybertron comes with what's called a cyber planet key. 
that if you plug it in, it will do essentially what a Minicon would have done for Armada. It'll unlock special features. And in fact, some of the molds that were used in Cybertron were simply Armada molds that they rejiggered a little bit of the molding on so it would now use a key instead of the Minicon. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, me neither, but it does sound like something that would sell incredibly well as a toy. <laughs> you know. Um, so... These shows, were they all on Fox? Each of them, or...? By this time, I think they're on Cartoon Network, which, oh, again, okay. is why they weren't seen by as many people, because it was on cable. Not everybody gets cable. Right. Okay, so... So here we are. You know, Transformers are, are coming back. They're not quite back all the way, but they're coming back. Uh, we're also seeing a resurgence in the comic books. Um... So, beginning in 2001, uh, Dreamwave I have down? Dreamwave uh, did this time, yes. Yeah. yeah, so from 2001 to 2005, Dreamwave uh, started publishing Transformers comic books. And I don't, I don't have how many issues they did, but apparently I guess they went under, and then IDW, which is a, a brand that I'm much more familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, began in 2005, and I guess they're current, like, to present. Like, they're still publishing the Transformer comic books. Now, I don't I I don't remember the distinction between uh like the Dreamwave stories and when it moved on to IDW, but I do have those. Um, you you tell me, Mark. What was it? Dreamwave, where it was kind of the whole headmaster kind of thing, where there was that one human character that became like a headmaster for Sunstreaker. You're talking about Hunter Onion, yeah. spelled like. In, but with an apostrophe between the L and the N, that is actually IDW. That was in uh, the okay. okay. Yeah, Dreamwave didn't do ID, didn't do Headmasters. Um, honestly, the less said about Dreamwave, the better. They <laughs> basically they had a guy who ran it who was, to put it politely, a crook. He ended up. Uh, running away with all the money. Most of the artists didn't even get paid by the end of the oh, company. He ran it into the ground. And the Transformers comics tended to... There were several lines going at the time, but they were all canceled in mid-story with things never to be completed because... Of it's the not response. a good way to treat the fans That's at all. Yeah. IDW um, got the license afterwards. Uh, they immediately started off doing their own direction... And while there have been a few misstarts in the years since, they've generally been very successful, and uh, they certainly have a lot more other titles, not just Transformers, going for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Lots of our like fan like favorites from the '80s. I've noticed they're really what? capitalizing on nostalgia. I remember really starting to follow it. I mean, I, I followed it the whole time, but really starting to stick in my mind like the. All hail Megatron, like miniseries that they had with that, and it just kind of continued on from there. I'll tell you what, Nick. For me, even more so than the Armada cartoons and toys, uh, Transformers really got back on my ra radar in a big way due to the IDW illustrations. Yeah, they were beautiful, and I, I remember working uh, at the time uh, on my computer desktop. I had found like several like really beautiful. Um, like wallpaper, you know, from IDW, like Devastator and like all my favorites. And I'm 
it caught my attention. I was like, well, what this, is this? This is why I started getting into these. It comics. was gorgeous, man. And I was like, this is how you treat Transformers. You know, it felt to me like they themselves were huge fans. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was a there was a quality there, really, that was unmatched even in the previous comic books in my mind. It was just so well, good there, looking. There was to compare, I mean, Dreamwave, they had some decent art. They also had some terrible art. Uh, but nothing before that would even come close. And uh, and then I also have a note here that, you know, while this was going on, the, you know, just so you're seeing more toys on the shelves, like the uh, Transformer alternators, which also was on my radar at that yeah, time. Yeah, I remember what, first when I would see the alternators coming out, that, to me, that was like the resurgence of the toys that, uh, it, it was like the familiar characters, but totally redone. With actual vehicles. Like, Smokescreen was, like, the first one, yeah. And it was, like, an actual, like, real car, like how the old ones were real vehicles. And it did not feel like a cash grab, too. Like, they were handled with care, I felt like. They were super complicated. Yeah, that's, (laughs) to me, the beginning of the really super complicated transformations right there that that are common now. The ones that an hour to figure (laughs) out how to do. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that toy line ran for, from 2003 to... When? 2008? Was it 2007, 2008? I don't know, years. It was starting to peter out by 2008. There weren't very many releases by then, but yeah. they were But, um, okay, so now we're going to talk about something that Mark may want to <laughs> stick his fingers in his ears and blah, 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 I don't want to talk about this. Uh, but like it or not, due to the Michael Bay movies, Transformers reached peak po- popularity. They, you know... I, I have little respect for the movies themselves, but it cannot be denied. They infused the franchise with tons of interest, tons of money. Yeah. It is if to say that a lot of the Generation 1 character resurgence we've seen in the years since could not have happened without those movies. You know, and I, I've never been a big fan of the designs of the new movies. Trackbots. Yeah. But I mean, I liked the first movie fine. You know, it was it was fine. I was a big fan of the first movie. But I'll admit it. They just kept going downhill from there. Like you said, opinion. I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the design choices, but the movie at least felt like it had there was some substance there. There, it felt like there was a little more heart. Steven Spielberg was obviously more involved and more hands on in the making of the first Michael Bay movie, whereas I feel like in the following movies, he just was cashing a paycheck and was just like, yeah, 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 whatever. Was uh, his name attached after the first movie? I don't remember. Absolutely, yeah. In all of the movies, he's listed as an executive producer. So I, I don't think he is for the more recent ones. He absolutely is. Yeah, he is. I, I remember seeing it. I can't speak to that. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll check him. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll note it somehow in the video. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> It, it's a shame, but yeah, those renewed interest in the franchise, uh, it it's it's like a medium that had yet to succeed, and you know we're talking about during a time in movies when it was it's much easier to take something that was popular back in the day and slap a new coat of paint on it, re- reboot it, reimagined it. Transformers was ripe. I mean, it, it was the time, and I remember when I heard that Transformers was going to be made into a movie, I was. Very, very skeptical. I did not think it was going to be anything that was going to be a big deal. I had no idea it was going to be what it became. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 
I heard that Michael Bay was going to be attacked. You know, like Michael Bay, like for all the he he's you know he definitely deserves what he gets. You know, he he just likes to blow stuff up. That's true, but he was responsible for some very commercially successful movies, and movies like The Rock and you know they were enjoyable enough. But when I heard that Steven Spielberg was going to be attached to it, I thought, wait a second, this could be really good. And I do feel like the first one was pretty good. Um, now, I've, I've got some of the uh, Metacritic scores <laughs> for the movies. Uh, the first movie had a 61 Metacritic score, which is not good. But when compared to the other ones, it's actually <laughs> not bad. <laughs> uh, the first one was good. I think we can, Nick and I can at least agree that that was good. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen, hated it. Could not Never. That one. I could not stand Revenge of the Fallen. It wasn't until a second viewing of the last movie, or the most recent movie, I mean, uh, I still, I, I, at the time when I saw the first, the last movie most recently, I was like, Revenge of the Fallen is still my least favorite movie. Now that's, that my opinion's changed on that. I for sure think the last movie is the worst. But Revenge <laughs> of the Fallen, terrible. Uh, it was successful, obviously, and uh, 35 Metacritic score. Mm. Not good. Uh, Dark of the Moon, uh, my opinion on Dark of the Moon was I thought they were back on the right track. I kind of was interested in the story. I kind of dug what they were trying to do. Dark of the Moon was like the start of like, nothing's making any sense. No, I know. <laughs> 42 Metacritic score, but over $1 billion grossed worldwide. Yeah. Wow. Uh, then after that... um. You know, you got the there no more Sam Witwicky. They they were rebooting it essentially, and they brought in Mark Wahlberg. Age of Extinction came out, thirty two Metacritic score, not a good movie. Again, over a billion dollars. Yeah, and that was supposed to be a big deal because of the Dinobots. Yeah, they gave us they teased us with the Dinobots. It was bad. Um, I I hate how when in the movies, I hate how they would kind of get your hopes up by letting you know that. Oh, this is going to have the Dinobots. Or, oh, I remember before Revenge of the Fallen, they were like, Devastator's going to be in. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Michael Bay, you got me back. All right, yeah, I got to see Devastator. And then I see Devastator's... I am directly below. Enemy scrotum. Whatever. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you really, really just... I don't even... I can't believe what I'm seeing here. But, you know, Dark of the Moon was, wasn't terrible, I didn't think. Age of Extinction, they ruined the Dinobots for the most part. And then last night... Oh, and I'm sorry, Transformium. Enough said for Age of Extinction. Oh, right. <laughs> and then, of course, the last night, probably the worst movie I saw awful. last year. Just <laughs> awful. <laughs> the last night was my last attempt to defend the Michael Bay movies. I just stopped. <laughs> there was no defending that movie anymore or that series. And I'm hopeful that with... The Bumblebee movie that's coming out, uh, maybe if they keep Michael Bay away, you know, like I've joked in the past, like maybe they send Michael Bay out somewhere. They, they, they don't tell him that, you know, they're starting to make the movie. They put him on some special project, keeping far, 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 far away. Uh, and then I don't know the, the, I think the guy who directed Kubo and the two strings is directing the Bumblebee movie, I which like is a respected Kubo. movie. I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, John Cena, whatever, however you feel about him, he's supposedly the star, but it's set in the 80s. Bumblebee's a VW. He's a, you know, he's a, he's, it's the, 
it, but again, is are they just giving us a little taste of what we yeah, want to hear, yeah, and then that, they pull the rug out from underneath of us? Yeah, that, that's why I, I'm I'm not I, I just don't care. You know what comes comes, and if it's something decent, then I'll find out. But yeah. until then, I don't care. Yeah, I uh, I mean I gotta admit they they got my hopes up yet again. We'll see whether or not it's any good. Uh, I'm at least hopeful that without Michael Bay directly at the helm, it'll be better. <laughs> you can, one can only hope. One can only hope. Okay, Mark, we're done with that. <laughs> it had to be said because, I mean, how of how successful the movies were. I mean, we have to acknowledge the Michael Bay Transformer movies, which covered a 10-year span, 2007 to 2017. And for all intents and purposes, that that's done. But I will drag you backwards just a little bit in the timeline. Okay. Before the movies started, after the Unicorn trilogy was done, Hasbro needed to fill some time. So they came up with a little filler line that has now come to be known as Classics. Oh, yeah, Classics. In 2006, got a new Generation 1 type, Octopus Prime, Starscream, Bumblebee. Megatron's a gun again. Characters in what? I did not know that. In essentially familiar forms. They've all been updated. It's not like they're using the same molds, but they're all very much those characters. Yeah, Megatron's and like a Nerf gun. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> placeholder between the time when the Unicron trilogy was ending and the live action movie, which was going to, of course, have its own toys, yeah. could start. Which, by the way, are all terrible. <laughs> but the Classics toys sold beyond Hasbro's wildest dreams. And so they had to keep that concept around. So after they got through the first run of movie toys, they came back with what was first called Universe, as later become Generations, mm. and they were doing essentially new type G1 toys, not as the main line, but certainly as a strong concurrent running line for the collectors ever since. Mm -hmm. Generations got me back into buying the toys, for sure. They're really well done. All of the points of articulation. Uh, they, they've done the, the fans of the G1 series, you know, proud, in my mind. I mean, and I, I like that they seem to, they know. It's like, here we have a, a two-way communication between here the fans and then Hasbro. And I guess part of that due, is due to the, you know, BotCon. The, in, you know, the, uh, the, when did BotCon start again? 1994. Oh, it goes back that far. Well, gosh, I feel bad for mentioning BotCon just now for the first time. Well, and I was even just thinking that oh, nice. uh, I, I think we've kind of maybe missed in the timeline that uh, you know, since we're talking, you're mentioning doing the fans proud. Yeah. In my opinion, what has really done the fans proud is the masterpiece line. Oh man, <laughs> that is the boutique items. Like you are a, only for adults, only for people who are willing to let go a lot of a lot of their hard earned dough. They are not cheap, but they are really, really, really good. It. The Rolls Royce of the toy lines. We kind of sure. we kind of mentioned the alternators, and I, I think the masterpiece closely followed that. In fact, you've got your Bumblebee masterpiece right there. Yeah, 
and, uh, it, you know, they started out, I think, super complicated and kind of found their kind of healthy uh, median between being very nicely detailed and not super, super complicated, but more complicated than, you know, the G1 toys were. Now, which came first, the 25th anniversary edition of Prime that I have or the Masterpiece Collection? Well, that that is the masterpiece. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, he is part of the masterpiece. It's just the American version of it. But that's probably the only one that ever sold over here, right? It, um, we had several now. Oh yeah, there's several. I mean, Toys R Us has had quite a few of the masterpiece lines. Okay. Um, like Starscream. There's been like American versions of Grimlock, Starscream, Hot Rod, uh, Soundwave. Wasn't there an American Soundwave? There was the the, the American uh, release of Masterpiece Soundwave, yes. Um, yeah, so that those are, I mean, yeah, you're right. The fans were done very proud <laughs> with the Masterpiece collection. I, I don't have any other than the Optimus Prime, but you have several. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a few. I've, I've got, uh, like, the Three Jets and uh, Megatron, Optimus Prime. Uh, ended up getting the new version of Prime that, you know, they updated it. Uh, he's a little bit smaller, but he looks better, in my opinion. Uh, I love the little nods that they include, too, like from the, the original G1 series. Uh, like, for example, um, the new Sunstreaker, where he's got the, like, you know, like little mask or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they often put, like, little little details in that... Uh, you know, reflects something that happened. Or Hot Rod includes a fishing pole. Like, just little silly things like that. Just nice little touches. Um, Okay, so there's that. But let's let's go ahead and get... uh, Let's go ahead and move to our next line, or next uh, series on the timeline. And that would be the animated, Transformers animated series, which ran from 2007 to 2009 for, let's see, three seasons, 42 episodes. Yep. Also on Cartoon Network. Uh, they were definitely picking up on the fact that the live-action movie was going to be popular, mm-hmm. but went into you know, a completely different direction. Uh, this one, you started seeing a lot of little winks and nods to Generation 1 stuff. It was by no means in the same continuity. It was very distinctive uh, designs that could not be mistaken for any other Transformers series. Lots of curves, not very many straight lines, in fact, at all. Um, it's obviously targeted more for kids in terms of the visual look, but the writing was pitched a lot more for people who were old enough to remember, as mm-hmm. it were. Meltdown, not a Dinobots. Dinobots, hurt Meltdown. So they really got a, a nice sweet spot of fans coming in to watch this show. Well, that's really smart of them to, to include the old fans and, of course, trying to, you know, get new fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, why wouldn't they do that? That's, that's very smart of them. Yeah, and I have here that it did air on Cartoon Network uh, and uh, evidently IDW adapted comics from that series. They did. Um and, but I want to go ahead, I don't want to shoot past that too much, but the next series I have in my uh, timeline is another one of those, like, big deal series, I feel like. And that was the Prime, Transformers Prime. 
when Prime came out, Hasbro was making a big push to do what they were going to consider an aligned continuity, by which they meant they were going to take little bits and pieces from all of the versions of Transformers that had come before, take those parts that they thought were most iconic, and start telling stories in a cohesive whole. Now, the movie was always going to be separate, so it wasn't part of the aligned continuity. But in theory, they were no longer going to make distinctions between this continuity and that continuity. It was all going to be the same going forward. It didn't really work out that way. <laughs> well, I have reference to the aligned continuity with the rescue bots, robots in disguise. Uh, there's a couple here that I have noted that they're, you know, quote-unquote part of the aligned continuity. Yes. But <clears throat> the Prime, uh, first of all, I remember the first thing that I noticed with Prime was the look. It had a very distinct, sharp, uh, nice look to the to the cartoon and the toys. Much more refined CGI now that they've, you know, had the technology around for a little while. They knew what they were doing. And they were able to um, get Peter Cullen to voice Optimus Prime, which is huge. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, that was his first... For a well, back into the you know since Generation One, I guess. Not counting the movies. Well, the movie, Not counting the movies. Well, yeah. Did come first, and he was for those. But this was the first uh, cartoon in the regular episodic television that he was back for. Yes. Which you know, anytime you can get Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime, just fits like a glove. We are autonomous robotic organisms from the planet Cybertron, also known as Autobots. Uh, 65 episodes, I don't know if I mentioned that before. And the thing that also that I noted that's really impressive was the show was very well, or very critically well received. Uh, uh, several it, it Emmys. Moments. It also had people who, you know, it, it parts that didn't do as well. But let's go back to the voice casting for a bit. Peter Cullen was actually not the big stunt casting that they did for this. For the months before the cartoon came out, they made a big deal about the fact that they had cast The Rock to voice Cliff Jumper. No way. I do not remember that at all. I know where he's going with this. (laughs) Is because The Rock, as Cliff Jumper, showed up in the very first episode for all of about a minute, and then they killed Cliff Jumper. Oh, that's right. I remember. I just found a whole lot of Energon. And the, and the big plot for that first episode centered around this dark Energon that Megatron discovered, which, among other things, could reanimate dead Transformers. So now we have Transformer zombies. Why not? Zombies are big. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. And I, I've only seen a handful of episodes, but I think I've seen episode one. And may, maybe I was just like, what? <laughs> I appreciate that it feels familiar. To me, with you know, obviously up uh, Peter Cullen and their their vehicles, and I did like the way the show looked. It, it, you know, it didn't necessarily catch on for me personally all that much. But I go back to just me being very prejudiced and just anything that's not G one, I just don't give a fair shake. And I haven't sent, and I, I should. Like you know, I mean, I've tried a few of these other ones, and I just don't get into it as much. I don't, I don't know. I, like and I saw the first episode that we you know we're just talking about where they kill off Cliff Jumper and I'm, yeah. I remember like immediately thinking like what the heck yeah <laughs> it now, was a bold 
do. One could argue about whether it worked or not, but they were definitely making a point that this was not going to be like previous cartoons. Yeah. Uh, Rescue Bots is I uh, have on here from 2012 to 2016, and f oddly enough, Rescue Bots is actually more in my wheelhouse than any of these modern day reincarnations because of just the fact that Logan is of that age. Yes. Where you know, and it, and it is on Netflix or has been on Netflix. I don't know if it is now, but you. Well, it's it, it's still on Netflix. It's only just recently completed its run. 104 and episodes. The longest-running Transformers cartoon of all time. Imagine that. I've never seen Rescue That is a trivia question you will most likely stump many people on. <laughs> Almost, I guarantee everyone would say G1. There's no doubt. Yeah. But yeah, Rescue Bots, 104 episodes. <laughs> and they're not bad. Like, <clears throat> uh, you know, they're, they're on Earth. I... Very simplistic. The toys also very simplistic. Just a few, you know, flips of the wrist and you've got a transformation. This is the line geared towards younger children. Yeah. Optimus is a, a fire truck. Um, you know, I, I thought it was funny that the show was set in Maine. I don't, I don't know why they made that choice. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it was not a bad show. No Peter Cullen, of course, but. There, well, there were some familiar so he's characters. He's around only for occasional episodes. Optimus Prime is a semi-recurring character, not a regular. Oh, but is that when right? Okay. Prime appears, it is Peter Cullen. Okay, okay. Actually, you know what? I'm, Optimus Prime was not a fire truck. That was Hotspot, right? Heatwave, actually. Heatwave. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Um, but yeah, you know, it, the, the toys were really nice, you know, very sturdy, well-made. Uh, Logan has a lot of them, and that that was kind of his entry point into Transformers. And then, of course, later I I sat him down and gave him a, a formal education. I made him watch all the G one episodes. He's seen them all, and he he actually really enjoyed them. Uh, but I, I will note here that, and he he noticed this, and I noticed it too later. Um, the G one cartoons not really all that well. They don't hold up great. No. <laughs> They're not terribly entertaining, yeah. other than the nostalgia factor. They're they're not they're kind of boring. <laughs> I, yeah, I bought the DVDs and then I try to rewatch them, and it, you get bored real quick. Yeah. yeah, once you get past the excitement of hey, I have that toy, you know, and when you're not doing that, rewatching it years later, just doesn't hold up as well. I um, guess we were fully entertained as kids. Very much so. <laughs> and then I have. Uh, from the Robots in Disguise from 2015 to 2017, uh, 71 episodes, and uh, was that was a continuation of Prime, right, Mark? Essentially, yes. It is enough of a jump from where Prime leaves off that you don't need to know anything about Prime, really, to watch this cartoon, but it is intended to be in continuity, and they make occasional callbacks to it. Let's see, um, which brings us to present day, uh, Cyberverse, I guess, is the show that's going to be coming out soon. Not a lot's known about it yet. It not may a lot's be known. with these other two, it may not. It may be something completely new. We actually don't know. So that brings us up to date as far as the show is concerned, which is cool because I just ran out of power there. Um, I had some factoids, but I don't know what they are now. <laughs> uh Going back to, uh, I know that one of the factoids I had was with the uh, 1986 feature film. 
Uh, the, and a lot of people know that Orson Welles' last credited role was for, of course, Unicron. But I didn't know that Scatman Crothers, but that was also his last role. His, He's been doing last. jazz for years, uh, but died when season three was into production and they didn't uh, use jazz at that point anyway. So that was, yeah. he did last. And, you know, Scatman Crothers actually had several, you know, voice acting credits. He was Hong Kong Fui, right? Number one super guy. Number one super guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we, we have a little more time to talk. We, um, maybe we should talk about some of the individual talent or we could talk about the, uh, bought con some more and the transformer hall of fame like there is an actual transformers hall of fame and that's that's kind of interesting but what happened with the hall of fame and i don't even know if hasbro is still doing it now that BotCon doesn't exist i think they did for the first hascon last year though so it might still be going forward um what they did at least for the BotCon years is they took a few iconic characters octopus prime megatron and a few human beings that are well-known and pivotal to the run. So, <laughs> Bob Bediansky not only wrote the vast majority of the U.S. Marvel comic books, but he also wrote all of the tech specs. That yeah, that's that's interesting. Packages. Which was a so, big deal. It gave you, you know, you could measure them. You know, you had intelligence and, and strength and, and, you know, endurance. And I, I thought that was a really neat thing that they had done that they didn't have to do. It was just a nice it touch. Transformers off from all other transforming robot lines. Yep. Uh, uh, can you, uh, we've mentioned BotCon. I've been to a couple myself, but can you um, describe BotCon for us, Mark? Like what, what it actually is? Okay. It is arguably the original and certainly by the time it was done, the official Transformers convention. And what would basically happen is the organizers would rent a convention hall at a hotel in some part of the U.S. It was in a different place every year. They would invite special guests, voice actors, writers, people who were known for being part of the Transformers franchise. Uh, they'd set up a dealer room so that People who sold Transformers would have a place to sell to people who are interested in buying Transformers. Uh, there'd be some special events. Sometimes they'd do uh, a game. Sometimes they'd show one of the movies in a room. Sometimes they would have a panel of the designers. They'd talk about what went into designing the toys. They would almost always, especially towards the end, have representatives from Hasbro stop by and talk about what new toys are going to be coming out over the next year. Usually it lasted over a weekend, and somewhere from a few hundred to several thousand fans would converge and meet up with other fans and generally have a good time. And you also got access to exclusive Transformers too, right? Yes, indeed. Now, it started out very simple. The very first BotCon in 1994... Uh, Hasbro said, hey, we've got a few toys that we're not going to sell in stores. We've decided not to. Would you like one of them to use as an exclusive for your convention? The organizer said, sure, we'd love that. And so Hasbro provided G2 Breakdown as an exclusive to everyone who registered to attend that convention. It's only about 200 or so people, not that many. Yeah, very modest. 
after that, organizers had to make special arrangements. So the next year, I want to say, was Night Racer, which they basically took the GoBots version of Bumblebee. Now, I have to give a disclaimer there. GoBots does not mean the old toy line from Tonka, but rather was Hasbro having bought out Tonka. They wanted to do some trademark grabbing, so they used that name several times. And in this case, they were using it for a line of little cars that were essentially Hot Wheels-sized that turned into robots. So that went, So they had GoBots Bumblebee that they swapped out a couple of parts for, did not paint the little gold overcoat on it, just left it black. <clears throat> the designer then hand-painted some blue stripes down the side and said, here is Night Racer. And in order to make it especially special, I'm going to write a text spec and say this is the first official female Transformer, because oh. all our toys at that point had defaulted to male pronouns. There had been female Transformers in the cartoon, and most notably RC. RC, but yeah. I had somebody argue with me that there was an RC toy back in the day, and I kept saying, no, there no. wasn't. Yeah, there is an RC toy now, but there was not back in the day. That's kind of one of those like national sh like shared consciousness, like you swear something existed. And yeah. since the movie existed and many of those characters were toys, I guess you just kind of swear that it happened, even though it didn't. Talking about shared consciousness, I'm going to digress a bit and talk about Blue Blue Streak. Okay, yeah, Blue okay. Blue Streak, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Blue Streak toy that came out in 1984 with Generation 1 was a gray car with red shins. I have no idea where the name Blue comes from on that toy. Uh, they came up with an idea that he talks up a blue streak, which may be a phrase. I don't know if it existed before that time. I honestly don't, but that was how they decided to write it off. But in the instruction booklet that came with that package, on the package art and in the old catalogs that were selling Transformers before the toys actually hit the shelves, that mold is instead essentially a blue car with some silver trim uh, that was essentially one of the Diaclone versions of that mold, how it was actually sold. But that blue version was never actually sold in a Transformers package. And people swear up and down that they had Absolutely. blue, blue streak. Hmm. And you're like, nope, that's impossible. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like that the Boba Fett action figure that fired the rock, the missile oh, from yeah, the jetpack yeah. or the backpack thing. That was never actually released in stores, but people were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, had that. I had that. Totally. <laughs> Not the one that fired a missile. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else? Um, but yeah, the, the, the exclusives is like kind of like I, the last one that we all attended, 2000, was it 15, 16? 2016 was the last one. Yeah, 2016. Like that was like a gestalt, wasn't it? There was. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Called pretty cool. Medics, which they basically took some Combiner Wars figures, did them in different colors, gave a few of them new heads, and in fact gave the combined version the head that had been used on the Beast Wars combiner called Tripredicus, which was three robots that combined into one. Now, of course, because this one had five robots, they couldn't call it Tripredicus. So they just called it Predicus and just called that a day. Nice. Uh, did they have panels? Like, you know, when you think, when you say BotCon, you, what comes to mind is like Comic-Con. 
And Comic-Con, of course, is this huge thing now when you have many, okay. many halls with panels and celebrities. No like but you did have, say, Hasbro come in and talk about what toys are going to come out with the next year, or they'd talk about design, or you'd have the voice actors talk. So, yeah, they had, they had several panels. Yeah, it seems to me like I just, I saw a lot of, like, you know, autographs, signings, things like that. Oh, yeah, and speaking of such, uh, that first year that I went, uh, when it was in Lexington, and uh, I don't, Mark could probably tell me what year that was. That, uh, 2006. 2006? Yeah, that just uh, before the movie was coming out. Yeah, that Optimus Prime that's uh, right up there, I think, in the frame that's signed by Peter Cullen. I remember Peter Cullen being there, being very excited, and I, I feel like it was they had just recently announced that Peter Cullen had whom had to audition for the voice of Optimus Prime <laughs> who had been <laughs> well, selected. To know they could trust him to do what was required of the live action part. All they knew was there was this bunch of nerds out there who said, you got to use this guy. Yeah, that's right, true. Right. I mean, once upon a time, there were people that said, you have to use Adam West for the 1989 Batman movie. So, <laughs> you know. Tim Burton wouldn't have none of that. No, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so Botcom was definitely a huge thing. Sadly, it ended in 2016. What what is the new thing? Is it like a Hasbro convention now, where they just take all of their toy lines together? More or less, it's and it's less of a convention in the sense of what we had, and more of a trade show, if you will. That is yeah, to like say, three for toys. It's an, it's an opportunity to showcase Hasbro's products, and they're doing a bit of convention alongside it, but it's a very different feel. And because it transforms is now just one item among many, it gets a lot less specialized attention. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, let's see. Anything else that we possibly could talk that we didn't miss? We didn't really talk about the current line at all, or, or lines. I mean, we, we, we kind of ended, I think, with the Generations line. But uh, for me, when it did the... Uh, Combiner Wars line. I mean, that that's when I started buying more toys. You know, I mean, I I've been getting the masterpiece toys from Japan, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, the Combiner Wars is when I started buying some more myself. It's for sure the first time that I was in toy stores looking for a Transformer. And, yeah, and getting super frustrated that I could never find any. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and to this day, still, like, if I'm in a Walmart or a Target, I get excited and I'll snap a picture and send it to you, like, oh, look. <laughs> yeah. Well, Martin did it today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Martin uh, saw Prime and Hot Rod on the shelf today and said, have you guys seen this? <laughs> the Primes. The Primes, yeah. That's the newest yeah. one, right? Yeah, so there was uh, Combiner Wars, and then that followed with uh, Titan Wars. And now, Titans Returns. Titan Returns, I'm sorry. And, uh, and yeah, so now there's the, the new line. They're really well done. Uh, I think they're reasonably priced. You know, the the faces oftentimes are very closely resemble from the G1 faces. Uh, I, I'm really just blown away at how well they're able to accommodate both the, the vehicle aspect of the toy and the robot aspect of the toy. Like, it blows me away. Yeah. So, it's such a far cry from, like, say... Rodimus Prime, where you know like you're just pulling down his legs, and that you know yeah. nothing much to it. Yes. Yeah. Although, however, it is 
very frustrating to transform all of them for the most part. <laughs> you gotta like spread out your your manual, and you can't just hand it to a it's like Logan. He can't just take it and play with it. In fact, he actually made a conscious decision about maybe not quite five years ago, where they'd realized that even their comparatively inexpensive, their ten dollar price point toys were having twenty, thirty, forty steps. <laughs> transform them yeah. and so they started scaling back and so yeah. while you're still finding quite a bit more complexity than say some of those old g1 toys you're talking about you're getting a lot more toys that are maybe in the 10 ish range of steps that they're trying to be a little less frustrating because kind of what they realized is if you're a kid playing with these things and trying to you know smash up the robots against each other you're not going to want to say stop Okay, hold everything. I need to change it to car mode. Take ten minutes and then go back into it. You want yeah. something you can do? Yeah. Well, I would turn like you know one of the uh, aerial bots into a plane, and he would play with it, and he was like, make it a robot, and I'm just like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> you should just be able to go, you know, and then like there you go, and that was the Which beauty of the original line. Aerial bots. I'm sorry, Mark. Which you could absolutely do with the G1 aerial bots. Oh, yeah. Right, boop, yeah. boop. There you go. <laughs> so, that, you know, you're trading authenticity and, like, good looks for, like, you know, functionality, I guess. Not so much fun for kids. But that's what the uh, rescue bots are for, I guess, in my mind. You know, those are very easily... A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, very easy to transform. And, you know, they still look kind of cool. And they're, they resemble the cartoon very closely. So, you know... That's, and that's all, even in some of the quote-unquote main lines with, um, like, they'll have two or three different versions of, say, an Optimus Prime on a shelf. Not just for different price points, but also for different levels of complexity. So you have a tiny turbo changer, for example, that basically you just have one step, bang, it's a robot. Mm-hmm. I remember that line in the G1 even where you just kind of would pull back, let it go, and it would do a flip. Uh, uh, jump starters. Yeah, jump starters. Jump starters. Yeah. And and back then, even I was just like, ooh, <laughs> this seems kind of generic. I mean, they looked kind of cool, but there there just really wasn't anything to them. And they would always break. Like I don't. Yeah. I've had a couple. Of, the little tad links in together. Yeah. Sacrificing um, the complexity of the robot and the ability to do stuff with it for the fact that it essentially can transform itself. Uh, <laughs> the design of Transforming itself required simplicity in other areas. Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of those old Transformers just really don't hold up very well. Now, okay, uh, back up for a second. And Mark, maybe you maybe you're going to go, what? I don't know what you're talking about. But I, I did read something when I was looking for like little factoids. Is there was apparently there's this um, <laughs> the there was a deterioration in the plastic of some of the old toys that was kind of yes. What was that again? GPS, the infamous gold plastic syndrome. That's it. That they the even worked into some episodes, right? <laughs> Made it canon. Is certain toys. It's not true of all toys. It's not just because a toy is old. But certain toys, the plastic was done in such a way, uh, but you, and you can tell because it's got little gold specks in it and the, 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 the mix just didn't go quite right, that over time, those plastics become 
extremely brittle. Has the slightest touch, and sometimes not even that, will just cause the thing to disintegrate. <laughs> Can you think of any off the top of your head that actually had... G2 Slingshot, one of the aerial bots, the head, the little stick portion of the head that would plug into Superion yeah. to form the giant robot, that's all gold plastic. Which means that your major stress point that you need is going to shatter into a million pieces if you ever try to combine it. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, oh, let's talk about the uh, frenzy. Uh, what is the frenzy? And oh, what rumble and frenzy? Yeah, uh, what is it? The, there's an acronym for it. Well, I won't go with the letters, but I'll just basically tell you what it means is Rumble is red, Frenzy is blue, or you can do Rumble is blue, Frenzy is red, or Frenzy is... And the Rumble first way is was correct. Okay. <laughs> I, I am a toy-slash-comic purist. Rumble is red to me. Rumble's red. The cartoon, when they did it, they featured Rumble all the time, Frenzy very little, but they had Rumble as blue. Now, it wasn't even the same blue as Frenzy the Toy was, but because Rumble was so prominently featured in the cartoon, and in the cartoon, Rumble was blue, a lot of people swear that that's the correct one. Me, I say, the cartoon just got it wrong, folks. Yeah, the it happens. The cartoon often got things wrong. That's true. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, well, uh, you know, I, I've got nothing else, at least off the top of my head, that, that we didn't cover Uh Mark, can you think of anything? Oh, I could talk for forever. <laughs> I don't need to bore your listeners any more than they already are. Well, I don't think they're bored at all, Mark. I, I think, you know, every just about everything that you shared with was, was very interesting. And I, again, really appreciate you joining us, taking the time out of your day uh, to, to join very us and, and talk about, you know, Transformers, something that we all very dearly love. Yeah, and, awesome. uh, you know, I, you know, you, you are the foremost authority in my mind, anyway, of the Transformers. And uh, I, I really encourage people to check out your uh, blog. Uh, I'll, I'll put a, a link to it in the comments so that people can go check that out. It's filled with really interesting stories. And, you know, not, not just for Transformers, but uh, obviously if you're a Transformers fan, you'll, you'll be delighted to check it out and, you know, be treated to some interesting things. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, all right. Well, I guess... That's the end of our tribute to Transformers. Thanks for sticking with us for this two-part episode. And uh, if you, you know, if we left anything out, I doubt it. But, you know, well, I mean, obviously, Mark, like you said, go on for hours. All right. Uh, I feel like we covered the bases pretty good. Uh, not bad at all. And uh, we'll just go ahead and end it there. Right, Nick? Sure. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the Big Geek Podcast. I've been Ron Avis. I'm Nick Wright. And uh, again, thanks to our special guest, Mark Wright. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Okay, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you. Bye.